The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Hear now the good news. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of our Lord. Please pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Stir within our hearts that we might hear and respond to your word for us this day. Amen. The most fascinating class I ever took was a seminary course on preaching at Wesley Seminary with the Reverend Dr. William Bobby McLean. Sitting in his classroom was like watching a history book come to life before your eyes. Dr. McLean was a contemporary of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Junior, as a teenage preacher in his hometown of Gadsden, Alabama, the young McLean had met Dr. King when he was pastoring a nearby church. McLean followed in King's footsteps to Boston University to receive his degree, and upon graduation, he returned home to Alabama to pastor a church and to join King in the work of the Civil Rights Movement. Dr. McLean marched with King, referring to him in class simply as Martin, as he would tell his stories of what those days were like, including one poignant story of what it was like in the days after King's assassination to go back to his office and to clean out his desk of his papers. It took all of five minutes that first day of class to realize that Dr. McLean's classroom was unlike any other classroom I'd ever sat in. You couldn't help but feel like you were in the presence of, well, greatness. No, not greatness as in power and prestige, but greatness as in the authenticity that comes from sitting with one who has not only talked the talk, but who has walked the walk. I have never felt more affirmed in my call to ministry as I did the day I stood up in the pulpit at Wesley Seminary to give my class sermon, and Dr. McLean called out from the pew in the middle of it, preach it, sister. I can't tell you any lesson that Dr. McLean taught me. I couldn't tell you the notes on the sermon outline form or the worship's liturgy, but I could go on and on this morning talking about what it felt like to be in Dr. McLean's presence. 
how he made you feel when he talked with you, encouraged you, and in the case of a couple of my classmates called out from the pew during their sermon, help him, Jesus. <laughs> I have never before and never since had a teacher like Dr. McLean, nor have I since. A new teaching, if you will, from everything else that I have encountered. Have you had an experience like that before? A teacher or a mentor who exuded that kind of greatness that can only come from someone or something greater than themselves? Have you found yourself in the presence of someone who makes you sit up, take notice, and wonder and wait what's going to happen next? If you have, then maybe you can begin to put yourselves in the shoes of the synagogue goers in Capernaum that Sabbath day when Jesus showed up and began teaching. You know, it's interesting to note that Scripture doesn't tell us anything of what Jesus actually taught that day. There are no notes from his sermon, no highlights of the word of God that was proclaimed, which suggests that maybe it wasn't so much the words he spoke, but instead how he spoke them that was so different. Whatever Jesus said, though, and however he said it, it wasn't like the usual preachers of the day. It wasn't like the scribes who everyone was used to. When Jesus spoke, even the people in the back row who were mentally making out their market list for the week sat up and took notice. Right? As they were all sitting up a bit straighter, tuning their ears a bit closer to hear what Jesus was going to say, there was an outburst from someone in the congregation. A man with an unclean spirit who began to cry out. Even the unclean spirit took notice of the man at the front of the synagogue. He recognized him as Jesus, as the Holy One of God. And then, with the same authority with which Jesus had previously been teaching, he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. The people, well, they were astounded, amazed, and at once, Scripture tells us, Jesus' fame began to spread. The people in the synagogue that day had an encounter with Jesus about which they couldn't keep quiet. His teaching, his power over that unclean spirit, his way of being was unlike anything they had ever experienced. Jesus spoke with the authority of one from whom, as the one from God for whom they had been waiting and longing. Wouldn't you have liked to be there? Don't you wish that we could have that experience today for ourselves? It would make following Jesus so much easier, wouldn't it? We would be able to see and hear his authority over our lives firsthand. But here's the thing. It wasn't quite that easy. Throughout the gospel, Jesus' authority is, in the words of New Testament professor Mark Skinner, a contested authority. 
This, that moment in the synagogue in Capernaum where he taught and acted as one with the authority that could only come from God was the beginning, not the end, of the questioning of who Jesus was and from where his authority had actually come. As we will see over and over, as Mark's gospel continues this year, Jesus' presence, in the words of Professor Skinner, his words and deeds threatened other forces that tried to claim authority over people's lives. Jesus' authority threatened the authority of the political, religious, and social leaders of the day. And as Jesus' ministry begins to grow, as his fame starts to spread, Jesus' authority and all of the other people who want to have authority are going to clash again and again. And this, well, maybe this is something which we can relate here and now in the midst of our modern day lives. That clash between Jesus' voice and all the other voices who want to claim that they have authority over who we are and what we do in the world. Especially now that Jesus doesn't, authority doesn't always come across in that same clear way as it did in Capernaum long ago. We struggle to hear Jesus' voice amidst all of the other voices with which we're surrounded by, don't we? One of our basic beliefs, though, is that God is still at work in our lives. God is still speaking. God is still has the authority. And God is showing up in surprising, unexpected, and real ways in our midst. So how are you being astounded by Jesus these days? How is Jesus teaching? How is what you are learning about God challenging your assumptions about what the future might hold? What is that new teaching, that new learning that you are encountering in your life that is leaving you amazed? Think about it. Wrestle with it. Pray about it this week. Because here's the thing. If you're not finding yourself astounded by Jesus on a somewhat regular basis, if your assumptions about what is possible in the future, eh, really aren't challenged very much, if you aren't learning something new about how God is working in your life, well, then maybe something's not quite right. It might be time to dig into scripture, to rekindle your prayer life, to engage in faith-filled conversation, or reevaluate who really has the authority in your life. For our God, is still at work in our world, astounding, challenging, and amazing us over and over again. That's what it means to be a disciple. So let me close this morning by sharing with you a bit about how Jesus has been teaching and challenging me these days, leaving me astounded each and every step of the way. And for me, it keeps coming back to the idea of abundance when I think there is scarcity. And as I look at our life together as a congregation this past year, 
And I look at the ministry that we were able to do every time I would sit at my desk and think, if only we had someone who would do this, if only we had someone who would step up to the plate to take a leadership role, if only we had someone who was going to be willing to serve on council, if only we had someone who was going to teach that youth group class when we needed to divide them, and I would sit at my desk and I would think to myself, there's no way we're going to get anybody to step up. And I would read, I've told you my trick, right, that I read through the church directory. If your name's at the beginning, that's why I call you a lot. I'm going to start flipping and reading it back to front here sometimes, too. Every time I would go reading the church directory and I'd get to the end, and I wouldn't necessarily have a name, or I'd have a name, I'd think, oh, this is going to be a long shot. And you know what? You stepped up. You stepped up to lead the mom's Bible study, to serve on council, to be the extra Sunday school teacher. You stepped up most of the time without me having to twist your arm all that much. Sometimes you even came and volunteered. And so every time I sat at my desk and thought, who's going to lead this ministry? We don't have someone who can do that. God showed up and said, oh, yes, you do. Let me remind you, who really has control around here, Meredith? And then I looked at our budget, right? And it's no secret that Monique and I usually toss and turn a whole lot the fourth quarter, okay? We just sit around and toss and turn as we look at numbers, and we think, how are we ever going to be able to make this budget that we've put before the congregation? And this year was the easiest budget process we have ever gone through. We could have held this annual meeting three weeks ago and been perfectly fine. Why? Because you came through over and over again to support the ministry, to support the vision, and you didn't leave us hanging till the last minute wondering if we were going to be able to do what God is calling you to do. Each and every time I sit around and think, there's not going to be enough, God. God shows up and teaches me what it looks like to have abundance when I think there's scarcity, and reminds me who's really got the authority in this church. And I see it happen in so many different ways. And I see it happen even in my personal life when I'm out being a mom and being a wife at home. And every time that Ben and I sort of sit around and go, eh, God shows up with abundance. And I keep reminding my, or God keeps reminding me that this journey of discipleship, it's no accident that the word disciple means learner. That we are constantly learning. We're constantly on a journey being challenged and pushed to take that next step. So I encourage you this week, I pray for you, my prayer for you and for us as a church this week will be that God will show up to astound you, to challenge you, to surprise you with what God is about to do in your life so that you may hear the voice of Jesus over all the other voices that want to claim authority in your life and sit up and take notice. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>